sit closer together because you got all this room, right? All right. Good evening, church. Amen. God is good. And good evening to our Facebook crew. Amen. Thank God for you. I pray you've had a blessed day. We're on Facebook, right? I mean, not Facebook, live stream. We're on live stream. All right. Woo-woo. All right. We are. Our pro presenter is not being very pro tonight. So we will have to look in our Bibles for scriptures tonight. And this is a good thing. I think God lets some of this stuff crash to make us go back to the good old-fashioned B-I-B-L-E. Amen? So... Praise the Lord. And just a shout out to everyone watching through live stream. We're glad you're with us tonight. Amen. And I'm just glad everyone is in the building. And I want to look for a few moments tonight. I won't belabor this. I know this is probably the last nice evening of the season. I won't say that. But that's what I've heard. We're going to be seeing some cooler temps coming in the next week. But God is good no matter what the temperature is. Amen? How many of you are excited that when we get to heaven, we don't need temperatures? Yay! Okay. But I want to look at something that might not be very popular. A lot of pastors won't. um... Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pam. I love you. Amen. Uh, would not want to preach on the desert. Nobody likes to hear about the desert. But I think the desert experience is important. And if you are honest with yourself, you will look back and see your desert experiences are what made you what you are today in Christ. Amen? Uh, Bishop and I were sharing about our desert experiences And he said, I don't know. I look back and I just feel like I didn't have a choice because I wasn't going back to anything I had done prior to my life in Christ. So I didn't have a choice. I was to walk through the desert. And isn't that the truth? We really don't have a choice. You don't get to go through the desert. And I hear people say it. I hear people say, I'm just going to go back in the world. But there's nothing to go back to because what you find is the world doesn't want you either. (laughs) Right? But let's look at Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse 1 and 2. It'd be great, but I'm in Mark. That doesn't help me. Okay. Luke chapter 4. And verse 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, He was hungry. I think, first of all, 
We have to pay attention to the fact that it was after his baptism. The Bible says he came up out of the Jordan and went directly led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He had to have found Christ, so to speak, right? You might say he found himself. He found out, came into actual contact with who he really was and what his mission was. He had gone through the waters of baptism. The Father affirmed him. He now knew, without a doubt, his calling, his purpose, and immediately was led by the Holy Ghost into the desert. Isn't that the same for us? We come to Jesus, and we know now there's something different, right? We're not the same anymore. When we really go down into those waters of baptism and we get buried in the waters of baptism, that sin nature, we come up and we know now something's different. For some folks, they get delivered. They get delivered of alcohol, drugs, you know, what we might term, so to speak, the biggies. For others, it's another experience. We notice very uh, quaintly, so to speak, some differences and changes. But nevertheless, we have to go through our salvation experience and our baptism. And then we find immediately... The honeymoon is over. <laughs> Hello? I love to watch baby Christians when they first come to Christ. They're so excited, on fire, and they could just, you know, go out there and save the entire universe. And then life happens. They get led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. How many of you would say, yep, had a lot of wilderness experiences, been through a lot of deserts? Now, the interesting thing here is he was led by the Spirit. Hello. Jesus didn't go there and the devil had all power and authority. The Holy Ghost led him right into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit will lead you through some of the most difficult trials of your life. You'll go through hard places. Make sense? We go through hard stuff. And what begins to happen is we're in that desert. It's very bleak. And I've been to the Judean wilderness. I've been in the desert in Israel. It's very hot. We think hot is here. We ain't seen hot. How many of you hear what I'm saying? It's hot. It's dry. It's bleak. It's not the place you'd want a vacation. It's not the place where you think, oh, nice. And the place where Jesus was tempted was like, you can see the pinnacle. So you can see where he was tempted. And you can see the mountain, and it goes in ridges. And it's, again, very hot. 
dry. You couldn't last there. You couldn't stay. I couldn't stay 40 days, 40 nights without a supernatural divine manifestation. Reminds me a little bit. We have a church. We've had several ministers in Las Vegas. So we went there to hold a minister's conference, so to speak. And uh, just like, wow, hot. You would walk down the street. It's 110, and the heat hits your face, and you can't even breathe. I mean, just incredible. Florida. I always say, oh, I'd love to live in Florida. And people go, you're crazy. It's really hot. But when you're in Michigan about January or February and it's below zero, you think Florida's pretty attractive. Las Vegas would be pretty attractive, even if it was just raining all the time, right? Here's Jesus, and the interesting thing is this. This is where Jesus went to strengthen himself before beginning his earthly ministry. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear people who um, are, they, every year they do a retreat, a self-retreat, like January-ish. And they always tell me about how they go, and, you know, I'm talking about pastors, ministers, leaders, and they go, and they go to a, a, like a really nice retreat center, and they prepare them three meals a day. And they go to this retreat center and they get away with God. And I just kind of giggle. It's like a palace. You know, and they go to the retreat center and they have their own little room. And it's really nice. And, you know, okay, it's not, you know, the Hyatt. But still, I bet it's nothing like a desert, right? Right? You don't lay your head on a brick or a stone and lay out in the, la you know, the land. You don't sit and try to get your lunch or your dinner by eating you know, insects or whatever, plants. Jesus chose to go to the desert to prepare himself, to strengthen himself where he began his ministry. We're going to go through a desert sometimes that strengthens us and prepares us for what God has for us. Isn't that true? When you look at the hard times in your life, you've got to admit one thing. Well, two things. Number one, you never want to go through it again. Right? Dry places. Yes, thank you, Pastor Pam. Dry places. Really dry. When you go through them, you'd never want to do it again. But you come out and you feel like, wow, that impacted my life. That changed me. That made me stronger. And I look back and I think, yeah, I know I'm a different person, a better person, a better minister for what I have been through. Does that make sense? How many of you would say, yep, that's what the hard and dry places do? The desert 
in the scriptures is a metaphor. Forget this, the dark experiences of life. The dark experiences in our lives. That's what is termed the desert in scriptures. And Jesus could never have gone through it just as God and been effective to touch us, right? Now, we got to get that because I really believe sometimes we think Jesus was God, so what's the desert to him, right? Or, well, you know, I know he went through the desert, but he was God. Get rid of that thinking. The Bible says that he hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says he was hungry. Now, come on. How many of you get hungry after three hours? <laughs> yes. Reverend Ulysses is lifting both arms, his feet. We get hungry. But you just had breakfast. I don't care. I'm hungry. Imagine 40 days, 40 nights. But 40 in the scriptures is a time of probation. How about that one? I looked it up. It says probation. Probation is what? It's a time of testing. A time to see as, are you made of what you really need to be made of? 40 is like a number of preparation. It's a number of tests. You go through a testing. It's a number where there's a lot of junk going on and you've got to walk through it. We are 40 days to the elections in this country. What does that mean, Pastor? We got 40 days till if one guy wins, everybody thinks the whole you know, nation's going to hell in a handbasket. If the other guy wins... They think, oh, my God, we're going to have rioting, looting, and the whole world's going to end. And I believe God heard our repentance yesterday. And I believe Jesus Christ is Lord over this country. And he will have the final say. And he will protect this nation. I cannot, well, I'm going to try to put my microphone to that prophetic word tonight at the end because... We can't bring it up. But this prophetic word over us in our nation from pa uh, Prophet Kent Christmas is awesome because we have been crying out, crying out, crying out since the new year for God to bring revival and for repentance and for hearts to be changed. I believe God is using the pandemic for that. People are crying out to God like they've never cried out. We've never seen our country so divided, so much anger, so much hatred. For what? For what? If Jesus is truly Lord over the earth, why is everybody fighting? Because a lot of folks don't know him. And that is where revival comes. And that is where we come in. But 
those of us who have been through these dark experiences, those that have said, oh, I found Jesus and I went through some real intense stuff. Listen, God knows and he has a purpose and a plan and it's very exciting if you'll look at it with a fresh perspective. If you'll look at it and say, okay, Lord, Hashem is in control. God is in control. Often, we have to understand this. The desert experience, these hard times we go through, I believe we're going through a hard time in our country. I mean, even though a lot of us, I've not been directly involved in a riot or a protest, but it affects you, doesn't it? It makes you feel a way. You feel uneasy. You feel kind of creeped out. But yeah, God says, look, these are dark times. These are dark times, but they are either going to do one of two things. You will either be destroyed in these dark times, or it will prepare you, and it will cause you to come up stronger. How do we get stronger? On our face, crying out to God, doing the warfare, praying in the Holy Ghost, shouting praises to God, singing. You know, I don't drive anywhere in my car without Christian music blasting because I want every fiber in my being preoccupied with Christ. And I don't know about you, but the devil is right there to distract and to make you wander in your mind. And no, I'm bringing every thought captive. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ and I turn that music on and man, it blasts out everything. I stopped at a light the other day and I'm telling you, this guy next to me, this music was shaking his car, my car. I could feel the vibrations. I thought, what in the world? I mean, it was like, and so man, I just grabbed the knob on my dial and went zip. Man, I blasted it. I thought, man, I'm not listening to that junk. And he looked over and he smiled and he went like that. I thought, man. We have to do the same thing. We got to blast our minds with the mind of Christ. We got to do the warfare in the dark experience. Listen to me. You don't go blasting the music when just when you're all happy and in the dark times and hard times, you just whine and cry. God wants you strong. He wants to use those dark times. There's been a lot of loss in some people's lives in this season. A lot of loss. People have lost loved ones. They've lost things. They've lost all kinds of stuff. There's been grief beyond anything I've ever seen. I don't know. Uh, I was speaking to a couple other counselors today, and they said, man, my counseling load. I said, yeah, mine's doubled. The other uh, counselor was telling me, she says, I went from, you know, I had 238 clients. She says, I went down to 150. My boss helped me spread them out. 
She says, then I went down to like 138, and now it's climbing back up. Because people are hurting, and they're desperate, and they just want some answers. Saints, you have the answer. I have the answer, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We got to get that boldness. I thank God when I counsel, nobody can tell me I can't say Jesus. I thank God for that. You know, she was sharing with me that she is in secular counseling, and she says, I can only bring it up if they bring it up. I said, man, I'd be climbing all over every loophole. <laughs> so tell me what you think about Jesus. Yeah. Trying every which way. Because we've got to realize, and the world has to realize, he's the only answer. The choice is really up to us. When you go through the hard times, you decide, am I going to use this to grow me or am I going to let this destroy me? How many of you would say you're fighters? You just are. Yeah, I can tell. It's the hands that are raised. I know you. You're fighters. I mean, I don't care what it is. We'll fight. If you're a fighter, you'll just fight. You know, when something's oppressing you down, you go, oh, no, I'm going to find a way to push back. That's a good thing. Now, especially in our culture, a lot of women are accused of being abrasive, accused of being harsh, accused of, no, I think a lot of us are fighters. And we choose to say, no, dark experience, you're not destroying me. I'm pushing back. I'm pushing back that darkness. We try to escape those hard times. Now, I love that. That's truth. Because when God spoke that to me, he says, a lot of folks try to escape. How many times have you heard people say, man, if God gets me out of this, I'll serve him forever. (sighs) And I, I mean, I, one uh, gentleman said that to me. If God is mad, I said, why didn't you just serve him to start with? It would have been a lot easier. See? Or they need to give, but they think they don't have anything to give. And uh, one guy says to me, he goes, man, the minute I hit the lottery, I'm giving God a chunk of money. I said, if you don't want to give God out of your $5, you're not going to give God anything out of your million dollars see we try to escape we try to do the exit stage left the key is this we must be aware of the purpose that God has in the hard times how many of you find that if you can get an answer as to Lord what are you doing It helps. If Jesus will begin to show us what his purpose is. God, what is the purpose of this? Because this hurts really bad. My little grandson yesterday, my middle grandson, Gabriel, he had to get a shot, a vaccine. And so he got the shot, and afterward, 
he, you know, came over to my house and he was with me for a while. And um, he says, Nana, he says, man, he says, why do I have to get a shot? Well, like, I'm not for that, you know, so I'm like, um, I guess because mom and, you know, uh, the doctor thought you should have one or whatever, honey. He goes, well, I wish I understood because that really hurts. Now, isn't that the same thing with us, though? We go through hard stuff and we sit there and we go, God, I really wish I understood why you're doing this. It really hurts. Purpose. Purpose. Hope. The one thing is that when we go through it as Christians, we know one thing, that our hope is not in vain. Our hope is not, you know, being challenged by the suffering we go through. We know one thing when we're going through, God's up to something. We don't understand, but we know that God is up to something. You say, well, how do you know that, Dr. Cheryl? Because you have to know him. If you, if your whole relationship with God is based on going to church, then you won't know, right? If your whole relationship with God is based on, you know, what you wear, what you're wearing to church this morning or tonight, and uh, who you're going to see and who you're going to hang with, then you won't have that hope. But if you base your hope on that rock-solid foundation of Jesus, because you spend time with him, you talk to him, he's real in your life, then you know. You know what you're going through is for a purpose. I thought it was so interesting that the beginning of this year, there was one or two prophets that had really spoken on the pandemic but nobody got it. But generally speaking, it got past the prophets. That's heavy. A lot of folks thought, why didn't God tell the prophets? Well, maybe he did and maybe they didn't translate it properly. But I did hear it when I went back and I listened. And you understand, of course, afterward, I heard one or two, and it would have been prophetic voices that everybody would have went, hmm, okay. See, we got to listen to what God's saying and weigh it all before him. But I want to tell you, maybe God didn't reveal everything because one thing I know is when it hit, I had just gotten home from Japan, and one week later, man, they shut everything down. I knew one thing, God was up to something. God was up to something. And I can't tell you how many testimonies of people that have been going through this season, and it's a hard season. How many of you would say, yep, I've been there, got the T-shirt for this season? <laughs> and it's hard. But one thing I see and hear everyone say, God's doing something. 
Can't put a finger on it, but God's doing something. Yeah, he's growing America up. <laughs> he's making us tough where we need to be tough. He's strengthening us. He's causing us to grow up in the desert. He's causing us to come through this wilderness experience and come out stronger, fighting and smashing this enemy. We have to be aware of purpose. What is God's purpose? When you go through a hard thing, a lot of times you don't understand what God's doing. I mean, maybe you do. I am not that smart. I don't always understand what God's doing. And I can recall a very difficult time in mine and Bishop's life, and we really thought we'd die at times. We just thought we'd die. And I remember God saying, even back then, it's not over till it's over. Well, it sure felt like it was over for us. And God kept saying to us, I'm carrying you through. You're coming out the other side, blah, blah, blah. And I'd just be like, okay, God, okay, God. I can stand before you today and say the same thing I said to you earlier. I would never want to go through it again. But the one thing I know, it has changed me and made me into his purpose. That's a good thing. How many of you would say, yep, my difficult, hard places, I wouldn't want to do it again? It was horrible, but man, I am strong. Right? I am grown. I am in Christ stronger. Yeah. And it can be anything. It can be a divorce. It can be a, oh, this hair in my eye. It can be anything that is a hard place. It can be a difficult child. It can be a loss of a child, loss of a loved one. It can be a lot of things. Man, I remember back in 1990, Jenna was 18 months old, my oldest at the beginning of 1990, January, that first month, I was pregnant with Brie, but she was twins. There was a Brie and there was a Brianna. And I can remember my mom and dad were alive in January and we were celebrating because in four short months, we'd have a set of twins to add to the family. And we had bought everything for twins. And within two months, February and March, I lost the twin. I lost my mother. I lost my father. And even my dog, who I'd had for 10 years, within five weeks. That was a hard place. That was a desert. And I thought, I don't want to wake up tomorrow, God, because what else am I going to lose? How many of you say been there? It's awful. It's awful. And I can remember God just comforting me. I, I can't explain to you. It wasn't a song. It wasn't, I mean, there were songs I would play over and over just because all I could do was sit in a chair and cry 
sit and cry and hold Jenna and cry. And I was, at that time, I was still ready to have Brie. So I still had to carry through with a pregnancy, even though I had lost one. And it was hell. But God said, I'll use it if you'll let me. Okay, God. God said, I'll make you stronger. Okay. God said, don't give up and don't lose hope. Okay. Well, I want to tell you, when Bree was born and for the first several months, she was more than enough. She took the place of two. That child became busy. And, you know, Bishop and I would look at each other and think, oh, my God, imagine if there were two. Imagine with mom not here how you could have done it. But God sent help. And, you know, my mom was like such a help in ministry, but God sent people. And God sent peace. And God sent, and I'm telling you, you learn through these dark experiences that your hope is really in him. And he produces. He brings it in. In James chapter 1, let's look there real quick. James chapter 1. And look with me at verse 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> when you pray and ask God to make you patient, you better get ready. Bishop often tells the story how there was a time in his life when he was fasting and praying, and he asked God, turn the heat up seven times hotter, God. I want to be everything you need me to be. He said, man, after the first month, he, turned, he changed that prayer. Things got pretty hot. How many of you hear me? But look at, it says, count it all joy. How many of you try to do that now? You go through stuff and you go, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And you're saying it through gritted teeth. Count it all joy. Count it all joy, Cheryl, when you lost a child, and you lost your parents and your dog. Count it all joy when you went through a really hard time in your life. Count it all joy. And you're like, hallelujah. But see, he will always speak into our lives what he wants us to become, right? He says, you know that those trials are testings they're going to produce patience. 
They're going to produce faith. See, how many of you have said, God, increase my faith? Be careful. Because when we pray, what does he use to increase your faith? It's not some energy shot you take. It's not some energy drink you suck down. To increase your faith, you got to step out on a limb. I had one pastor friend, he used to say that he would pray, God, let me go out on the limb and let it break off from the tree and tr let me trust you that much. I said, God bless you. That's a tough one. He says, it will produce patience. And he says, let patience have its work. Because you will become, that word perfect and complete, it means you're going to become like a finely tuned instrument in his hand. How do you think you minister to other people? You minister a lot of the time out of what you've been through. Isn't that true? People, and do you think they find you by accident? No, God sends people to certain people. So that when they're freaking out, you can smile and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, and you're going to come through it. And they're like, how do you know? Because mm, I've been there. Now i got to tell you, I love being on the side where it's going to be okay. I don't like being on the side where ah, I'm freaked out. Right? What is it in us that when somebody really is distraught, we can calm them, and it's just something in us. We know that we know that we know they're going to be okay. Isn't that awesome when we get that way? And we're just so sure for them. And often I say, Lord, I want to be that sure for myself. And I remember one day we were, I was praying and just talking to God, and he said, if you'll listen to my voice, you'll hear me say that to you in your situations. So I got to tell you, this is what happened. I was praying yesterday on Facebook. Prayer, 7 o'clock. Those of you that join us, you can go to Cheryl Cachetti Episcopo on Facebook and you can friend me and jump on our prayer line at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. every Saturday. So yesterday we're on the prayer line and I get up to let the dogs out and let them back in. And as I go to let them in, they're standing out there, and they are looking at the grill. I have a grill just outside the door wall, and they're both looking at the grill, and they're barking at the grill. And I'm like, what is wrong with these two crazies? So I go out there, and I said, what is wrong with you? Look at, stop barking, we're praying. And I look, and here's my big black dog, Princess, and she's sniffing. And all of a sudden, I go around to the front of the grill, and the cover over the grill is lifted just enough where I look underneath, and there is a possum. 
and he's got his pointy little teeth looking at me. And the dogs are barking, and he's going just like this. I'm like, oh, my God. Now my heart's beating 200 times a minute. I grab my little dog, Priscilla, and I just pick her up and throw her in the kitchen. I run around to the other side. I said, I got to get this dog in. I don't need a vet bill, and I don't know what this thing could do to my dog, and I'm just freaking out. So all of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, it's going to be okay. Relax. I went, relax. This thing is breathing, and it could move. And what if it jumps at me? What if it jumps at my dog? Oh, my God, Lord, what do I do? And here is Bishop. And God, we just pray. And he's going, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, there is a possum under our grill. And I'm trying to get the dog in. So all I could do is, come in here. Princess, come in here. Princess, come in here. In every tone imaginable. And the Lord's going, calm down. Okay. You know? So then the Lord says, go get the key to the, to the lock of the backyard and go outside the front door and go around the back and unlock the gate and grab Princess by the collar. Okay, I can do that, hoping that she has not confronted this thing in the meantime. So I run out the front door. I go around the back. I've got Princess by the collar. I'm trying to hold on to her, lock the gate, run in the front door, get back. She gets in there. Now she's freaked out. She's scared because she thinks she did something wrong. So she runs in the corner to hide. I said, good, stay there. So then I, sh- you know, I got the door wall closed, and I sit down, and the- I'm smiling on Facebook. Praise the Lord. Here to the Ashakar, the Asay. And unbelievable. And here's Bishop. He's looking over. He goes, amen. And I just started to pray. And we kept on praying. You know, it's like the show must go on. Break a leg or whatever. So we're keeping praying. And I said, Lord, you got to get that thing out of my grill. Because, and I'm saying this in my mind while I'm praying in tongues. And I'm thinking, Who do you call? It's COVID season. Everybody's not working. Nobody's working, especially at the rescues and at the, you know, wildlife and all this stuff. So I'm just praying and praying and praying. I got my mind focused on, you know, just praying and and the live stream, I mean, Facebook. And suddenly I look over out the door, out the window, and it's gone. He said, did I not tell you? Just relax. He said, I made him. I made that stupid possum, Cheryl. And I got purpose for his life, too. He was petrified. I said, not as much as I was, Lord. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Weird, hard, difficult, crazy times. And we're just like, okay. And I, I can't tell you I had this, I had this, I had this, per- this perfect, perfect peace, but I just knew it was going to be okay as long as I could just breathe and just go do the next thing I needed to do. He says, I use everything for my purpose. Let's close with this. Well, we're not closing yet, but we'll get there. Romans 8, 28. Now, this is a good scripture. It's my favorite scripture in life. But Romans 8, 28. 
Now this one, I never, I use the scripture all the time. I love it. But I never paid attention to the first three words till today. He says, and we know, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, how many of you love God? Okay. How many of you know you're called according to his purpose? But the part that stuck right out at me this time was he says, and we know that all things work together. And we know. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, dig in there and begin to really get in touch with, do you know? Do you really know me? Do you know me so well that all things do work together for good? See, and you know. That's the first three words. And we know. And what I find is that beginning right there, those three words, that describes the process. That's the beginning of the process. And we know that we know that we know that we know. And it's a process. Every time you go through a hard place, you know more and you know more and you know more. And before long, man, you know, okay, whatever's happening here, God's up to something. See, that's what we have to begin to ask ourselves and one another. Do you know? Do you really know him? So that you know, whatever you're going through, he's in it. He's going to use it. Does that make sense? In the desert, I want you to pay attention, and I'm getting to the close here, that Jesus responded to the enemy by quoting scripture. All the time. Jesus said the first time Satan tempted him, it is written. The second time Satan tempted him, it is written. The third time Satan tempted him, it is written. He kept giving him scriptures. This is the decade of pay. This is the decade of the mouth. You are to be giving scripture to those hard places. Scripture to the enemy. Scripture when that devil comes against you. You don't have to have your, ma- your brain theologically educated. <laughs> you just get your scripture out. I've passed them out before, and I still have some. If you need one of those scripture books that I distributed, if you need one of those scripture books, it's scripture written by our apostle's daughter, Linnell Candace Tracy Miller. It's scripture books that are written in the first person, and you simply open them and you decree them in first person. I am more than a conqueror through him, through Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. And it's all written that way, and all you got to do is go throughout your day and declare the scripture. Every time that enemy is right there to try to come against you. The thing that really hit me was if you look at Luke chapter 4, go back there as we close. But I want you to see something here that God showed me also. Luke chapter 4 and look at verse 6. This particular temptation, it says, The devil taking him up on a high mountain 
showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority, and the other version says, all this power I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, the people of God even think that the enemy is powerless. He's not powerless. He says it right in that scripture. I have some power given to me. He was so desperate. That's what God showed me. God says, Cheryl, the enemy was so desperate. He was willing to give up everything just to make Jesus fall. Why? Because he was desperate. He knew he was in big trouble. He knew that if Jesus made it to the cross, see, the devil can't tell you what's coming. He didn't know the ultimate. He knew Jesus was going to the cross, but he hadn't a clue of what the cross would entail and how he would get there. See, the devil is not that smart. That's why he's got a zillion demons to do his work for him. But he was so desperate. He knew Jesus was the Son of God and that if he was going to get him, he needed to get him in that wilderness. And you have to admit, God was in control because God allowed Jesus to go to the wilderness. He didn't have to, right? But he allowed his son to go to the wilderness. Why? Because God uses the wilderness to strengthen us, to toughen us up, to make us into the people of God he's looking to use. And the devil is so desperate, he'll get you in these hard places and try to turn you on God and try to get you to sin and try to get you to give up. Don't do it. He doesn't have what it takes to defeat you if you don't let him. I believe that if we will hit our face to the ground, I believe if we'll humble ourselves and cry out to the Lord in this season, if we're going through a hard place, cry out to God, we are going to find that our Father hears us. Our Father cares and will move on our behalf. I want you to listen to this prophetic word. We played it this morning and... The only way I can play it is if I hold my microphone to it. So I believe that will work. But I want you to hear it again for some. And if you didn't hear it at all, it'll be a new word for you.